It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, December twenty first, the shortest day of the year, and you're listening to episode four hundred and forty seven. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Here today, joined by the uh the um the word i'm looking for the owner the owner of weird giraffe games and galactic raptor games co-owner of galactic raptor games uh carla cop hey carla how's it going hi it is going well given that it's a pandemic (laughs) right right yeah there's always that it's the it's we're 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 working our way towards the hopefully the better half of that pandemic so that's you know theoretically (laughs) i hope I hope so too. Yeah, I really hope so as well. That'd be that'd be nice. So we we had you on a while ago. You uh I think when you were on last time, you were talking about Tumbletown. That was quite a while back. Um, which is uh that's that's out now, right? Um, it is almost out. It is actually okay. um right before this, I was uh, making sure that the fulfillment had like all the addresses and stuff for the backers because I think they're going out tomorrow. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, it's been uh kind of a headache though uh this is actually the first time i have fulfilled a campaign where all of the rest of the world got the games and has had the games and just now the u.s is like they're going to start shipping out usually it's like the other way around but you know pandemics they they make you learn new things all the time indeed they do yeah yeah and then uh had chris on not too long chris klein um talking about studies in sorcery teach me about the winston draft which was awesome and uh i've been thinking a lot about that honestly ever since that episode because i'm a big drafting fan and i was like that i can see why he's hooked on that it's really cool so i uh studies in sorcery is one i backed i'm excited to check it out when it comes out it sounds really cool so mm-hmm. he sold me on it right then and there so <laughs> Yeah, um, I love the Winston draft. I have another game coming out with the the Winston draft too, but it's about cats. But yeah, like uh, I always like nice. adding in like a, a bit of pressure luck and like mm-hmm. just a draft that naturally comes with pressure luck is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I'm excited to have you here today. So, so the we uh, what I I drafted you here for haha <laughs> actually didn't even mean that as a pun until I said it and then it sounded like I did but I didn't I'm not that clever uh, so I did a couple episodes a while back uh, talking about wanting to start publishing games and how I'm going to put out hopefully two kickstarters next year uh, two they'll be small kickstarters um, but I know which one's going to be first and so because of that I thought well I uh, I see what Carla is doing with Weird Giraffe and Galactic Raptor. And I like it and I respect it. And I thought, I wonder if I could pick Carla's brain. And she was nice enough to say, sure. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I actually was, I was nice though, as the listeners of the show would say, I'm never prepared. And yet I sent you a list of questions ahead of time <laughs> because, yeah, because you were like, these questions could be like anything about publishing. <laughs> I was like, they could be. So let me give you some ideas. Yeah, it's always helpful because like sometimes people are like, tell me all there is to know about publishing. And I'm like, do we have like a couple days, weeks? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, no, and I've been trying to like as 
basically, you know, I, I started off with, here's my ideas. Here's what I think I'm going to do. And I, I talked to Jason Katarski of Green Couch Games, who's one of the other hosts of this show. Uh, we, he was on a couple times in a row when we chatted about it. And, um, and, you know, now I'm several months down the road and I'm realizing I have a million more questions as I actually start to figure out getting quotes and getting pricing and in determining what exactly goes in the game and how that's going to look and what we're going to do. And, um, yeah. And so I'm just, I, uh, I was like, I need to talk about this again <laughs> because I need to figure out exactly what I'm doing here. And, uh, so yeah, so, um, so a lot of the stuff I was really interested in about was around manufacturing and kickstarting. Um, obviously, I know you know a ton about kickstarting, and I'm presuming you know a, a thing or two about manufacturing <laughs> since you've had several games manufactured that you were in charge of. Um, so yeah, the um, kind of the first thing I was interested in was who do you use currently? Uh, currently, I'm working with Boda Manufacturing. Okay. Okay. So that's not one I've heard of. So that figures that it would be immediately one that I haven't talked to before. <laughs> um, so I, my question was like, what, what factors did you like, what were the key things that really popped out at you for determining which, which manufacturer to go with? Cause you know, I've talked to two now and gotten two pretty comparable quotes and I think I've made a decision of which way I'm going to go. Um, based on factors that mattered to me, but those may not be the right factors. <laughs> so that's like, you know, so yeah, I'm interested, you know, what, what for you, what goes into that? So it starts with the game. Um, like what kind of game is it? Like, have I worked with that sort of components and stuff before? Um, like most of the games I'm doing, like that are upcoming, I have done chipboard, I've done cards and boards and different things. Like I know what I'm doing. Okay. Right, right. Um, so I don't need anyone to hold my hand or tell me what to do. Um, and so I can go with somebody that will just like, uh, well, I can do the things and they can check them and verify them, but they're not going to like reach out and be like, hey, are you sure you're doing this right? Or, um, <laughs> right, right. Like that sort of thing. Um, if it's your first time uh, going to a manufacturer, I highly recommend going to Panda Manufacturing because they have people that speak English and that live in the U.S. and will talk you through every little thing. Um, and they're also super nice. Um, but also, um, I've talked a good bit with Panda um, about weird stuff. Like if you want to do anything crazy. I've heard that. Yeah, they're your, they're your team. <laughs> Yeah, like Panda is there. Like I have talked back and forth about like so many things. Like like they are there for like whatever wild crazy idea you have. They will give you a quote on it. They'll do research. Um like uh for instance, I was going to do this game about uh it was like a plant game and I wanted to do seed cards. Like cards mm -hmm. that had paper with seeds in them. Um and I want to know, is it possible? What, how do we do it? Like, is it legal, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Um, so they like sent me samples and stuff. And well, it turned out that um, one, it would probably be too expensive, but two, it probably wouldn't be like uh, great because like you want to manufacture the game once and then send it all over the world, which if you did that with seeds, that could cause catastrophes to happen if right, you sent the right. wrong seeds. So uh, we learned that yeah. together. Uh, but yeah, they are very good about like 
working through that and trying to make your crazy idea into something that it, they can manufacture. Right. Um, was this, was this, was it you and Panda responsible for these weird seeds coming out of China this year? Was that like, that was, was your was game? <laughs> um, because we care about the environment. Right, right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're doing weird and crazy, uh, they're, they're amazing with that. Um, I go with Boda uh, right now. Um, well, cause like, uh, cost is also an important factor. Like you don't want it to cost too much. Um, but also how easy they are to work with and like basically how they work. Um, because we live in the U S and we know a certain culture and China is a different country that has a completely different culture and ways that they work with people. And so if you don't know anything about that, you should probably read a book on Chinese culture and Chinese business. Right. Right. Yes. Very important. Um, like, because one thing, uh, a lot of manufacturers don't do is like if you ask for a certain card type they will give you a certain card type if you like if you specify what you want they will give you that they won't tell you like hey maybe you should do something else or we also have this other thing that's about the same and it just costs a lot less like um if you're not used to asking a lot of questions you might run into trouble right right so uh always ask questions like um, right. And Boda is really good about this. Like we've worked together for um, Tumble Town and uh, Studies and Sorcery, which is upcoming. And like their back and forth is a lot better than a lot of other companies I've worked with, mm-hmm. um, which I do enjoy. Um, for instance, um, the Tumble Town insert. Usually like um, I've worked with Longpack in the past and they'll just tell me like, no, they can't do the thing. Um but with Boda, there was like a really good like back and forth where I was like, hey, this is what I want. And then they sent me a picture of what they thought that I meant. And well, like English is really hard to deal with, like human language. Um, we went back yeah, and forth yeah, like a month. Um, but finally, we got like the best insert ever. Like it fits a dice tower where you don't have to like tear apart the dice tower. It's nice. like, super cool um the all of it works out before and after the dice tower because like the dice tower doesn't come assembled so there's like a little section of cardboard in there that you get rid of after um but they're really willing to work and try to do the thing that i want to do while also not being too hands-on and uh having a lot of quality for the cost Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I figured Panda's always like Panda I, based on that recommendation, I will, I will at least get a quote from them and see what they're, you know, like, um, yeah, I, cause for me, it's really been, I, I definitely want a place where I can talk to someone where they have at least a person here in the States, um, only because I can read a book, I can, you know, attempt to learn about the culture, but in the end I'm, I'm throwing money away if I, if I screw up, because of some communication error, likely on my side. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I've talked to places where they've got people I can, I, you know, I've talked to the people in the States and they've been helpful, um, kind of getting quotes together. Like I said, I've got a couple quotes so far. And the thing that made me happy so far about the quotes was I was able to get everything I wanted. And I was able to say like, Oh, I can afford that and sell the game for what, you know, like I can sell the game for four to five times, like cost to make, and it's still a cheap game to sell to people, right? You know, like it's affordable. And um, so, yeah, 
cool. I think like the final thing that really matters is mm-hmm. that they actually have time for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I used to work with Watts, or I did for my first game, and uh, maybe like the first game, it was like super tiny. Um, and I wanted to work with them again, but they just, you know, they never responded or they res- like took way too long to respond. Um, so mm-hmm. that's an important factor as well. Like just yeah, businesses yeah. get busy, and if they don't have time for you, you should go on and go to somebody else. Right. Yeah. And especially as someone who's going to be printing likely, unless something crazy happens, you know, 1500 to 2000 copies tops, right? Like that's, you know, unless the Kickstarter does really well, that's where we're going to cap out at. And, uh, you know, if, yeah, I mean, so I, I, understanding that I'm small, small potatoes for them, I I want to make sure that they're still going to give a crap about me (laughs) for sure. Um, so speaking of cost and budget, um, so how do you budget for what goes into the cost versus the price of the game? And I, I certainly have some knowledge around this, at least from different publishers. Um, but it's something I'm always really curious to know because I know it varies from publisher to publisher, but I also know there are some standards. So, yeah. Um, so I probably do it different than most where I base the end cost kind of um mainly based off of what the actual game costs to manufacture plus the box size um like whether the art was cheap or expensive doesn't really go into it for me because um by that time like i've already paid for the art by the time that the kickstarter right happens. right so whether that hap like if the kickstarter is successful or not that art is paid for so if i like right right you really, spend that money yeah the the money's gone okay um so like i don't know i i think like other people maybe they have more time to do spreadsheets or something but um typically games have a cost that ends in nine um so it's either going to be like 19 or 29 or 39 right. yep Yep. So, um, I mean, if it fits in a specific box, uh, like, uh, so for instance, I have like the small box, it's like seven inches by four inches, and that is not going to be $29. Like, regardless. Not if you want to sell any, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, maybe it's very niche, but like, if you want to sell into stores and stuff, like, that game can't be like super expensive. Um, And the same thing, like, um, if you have like a big, like, square box, like you should not have that be 1999 because you will lose money on it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, so for me, when I was figuring it out, I'm, I think I'm on the same page as you basically where I said, I don't care what the art costs, you know, like I'll, I'll cover that. Right. Like I want to know like, what is the manufacturing cost of each game and what is it going to cost basically to get that game to me? Like that, that cost between like getting it printed and getting it sent to me like if I can, that's what I'm including in the cost that I would like to make sure that the game, um, you know, falls into. And I worked backwards from there. I worked backwards from what I thought a good price point was um, because, you know, when I was hoping for either 19 or 25 or 29, like somewhere in there, but probably towards the lower end of that, um, just because I, I just, I like smaller games that are more cost effective. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it was kind of like hoping like, okay, here's everything we think we need for this game, sending the quote and then getting it back and being like, oh, whew. like even if I figure high for shipping and stuff, like we can still do this. 
Um, so speaking of shipping, so how do you do it with, with the shipping? Do you charge it during the Kickstarter? Do you charge it after? I know it used to always be charge it during, right? Or actually it used to be give free shipping to everyone. Everybody gets free shipping. And then it was like, well, actually we need to charge that. But now I'm seeing that trend towards, you know, not charging it. Yeah. So until um, after the fact. Yeah. I really like to charge it after the fact for like a variety of reasons. Like one, giving free shipping, like. I am so glad that like a bunch of Kickstarter creators just went together and was like, Hey, shipping, no, not anymore. Like shipping costs actual money. Like this is not cheap. Like uh, getting rid of that expectation of free shipping because like it, it is definitely not. Um, well, especially when everything, all the other prices are rising, but like they're not actually rising. So like something's right. going to get. Um, so yeah. Um, charging shipping, definitely do it. Um, but charging shipping after the fact, like during the pledge manager, um, it just works out so much better. Um, like I have this spreadsheet that is like trying to find the goal of um, the Kickstarter. And before mm -hmm. I would have to like go back and forth where it'd be like, oh, okay, well, this is the manufacturing cost. And to get the manufacturing, like to cover that manufacturing cost, maybe I need 300 backers. But then I need to ship to 300 backers who, you know, will probably be 60% U.S. And, you know, here's the percentages for the other right, countries. Right. And here's the cost for sending it to these countries. And, oh, no, that's more money. So now I need 330 backers to cover that cost. Well, adding in 30 more uh, backers and shipping costs. Well, now I need, you know, 340 backers and like it was like just right, this right. weird thing where like you know maybe that'd be fine or maybe it wouldn't be like what if every backer came from germany well that just skews everything <laughs> yeah um and like without without including the uh the shipping and doing that whole back and forth thing like it's just it's so much simpler it's like okay what are the manufacturing costs what is the cost of freight Okay, 10% on top of that for me being stupid, um, possibly right, right. making mistakes. Um, and that's the goal. Like, it, it's just so much easier. And then if anything bad happens, like, uh, like so say that you think that you're going to fulfill uh, in, like, October. And then a pandemic happens. And right. suddenly things are taking much longer than you thought. And now you're fulfilling in January or February, well, turns out that um, the post office and everyone updates their prices every year, and now right. you have a different cost. Well, like yep. that can sink some small companies if they don't have any extra capital. So, like, just having that extra leeway to do that, like, just in case, like, because you you don't know, like, all the post office prices right. could double or. Like this year where we thought that, you know, maybe the post office would just go under, like that was a legitimate fear um, with all the, like, I guess, mail-in voting causing the post office to collapse. Well, on top of right. a lot of other right. things. Um, right. If you don't know about that, you should look into it because that was crazy. I am so excited for 2021 where I don't have to worry yeah. about the post office. Oh, collapsing. yeah. Yeah. I enjoy the post Me office. Too. I do too. Um, I uh, I use the click and ship where like we have to send some packages for Christmas because we can't go see anyone. And I just weighed a package in my own house, taped it up. And now the mail lady's just going to take it tomorrow. And it's going to be amazing because 
I don't have to go to the post office and stand in line in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, and it just like uh, it makes it so much simpler because like I don't like I have like an idea of how much it'll cost, but I don't have to be like super sure if you know what I mean. Right, right. Like I always put on the Kickstarter page, like oh, okay, so I'm I think that the cost will be like this, but it could be like I don't know two dollars more or two dollars less, but you don't have to like super worry about that if you're upfront with people. Right. So. Um, right. Well, yeah. like for like, for one person, two bucks more is okay, whatever. But if you had a thousand backers, two bucks more is now two thousand dollars. And if that's two bucks, I mean that's two bucks for some people. For others, it might end up being ten bucks more. And yeah, I get I get it. Yeah, or like a certain country might instead of being like ten dollars, be now fifty dollars or some crazy. Right, thing. right, right. Maybe there's crazy tariffs you didn't expect because you know, <laughs> like yeah, they, we yeah. have experienced things over the years that have made this like yeah i do not want to like have another year where i'm like oh no what are the tariffs are they on are they off what percentage are right, they right. now like that i know one. i i feel good that by the time i have to ship games there will be no tariffs so well, we hope but you know yeah i mean like or they'll be way better than they are yeah um cool all right so um my next question has a bunch of stuff to it. So I think I'm actually going to skip that for now. Question number three. Um, and uh, what would make more sense? So let's go to, I'm just going to go to four. And then I, three, I would rather cover if we have time because it's a lot of details for everyone. Um, so four is, so what are you, so one of the things that we're talking about doing for this Kickstarter is uh, small purchasable expansions that would be like, uh, the way the game works, you know, we've got 22 cards in the game, double-sided. So it works as if you had 44 cards for the purposes of the game. Um, so we've talked about adding in mini expansions of like five more cards um, and they're double-sided. So you get 10 more card faces to use in the game. Um, and, you know, that like, w- so we were going back and forth, like obviously in a small box game, that is a lot of cards to just start giving away when you have 22 cards in your game. And now, you know, if we did five of those, now we have a lot more than 22 cards in the game. Um, you know, we've got then double, more than double the cards in the game. So one of the things we talked about was what about doing like small little mini expansions that you can purchase? And I know that that's okay. Like, I know you can do that. Um, I want your opinion on whether or not I should do that. But the other question was, can those be unlockable stretch goals? Like if we hit this level, we'll have this new thing but you have to buy it. Like it's an add on. Um, like how much is that frowned upon? And you know, so does that, does that make sense when I'm asking or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, to address the first part, um, almost all of my Kickstarters have like some small little, if you back the project, you get this thing for free because I like you and you're doing the Kickstarter thing versus waiting for retail. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Just because uh, I like to give that to like the people that are loyal enough that they'll pay, you know, nine months before they get the game. Um, it's part of right, like right. brand building for me, etc. Um, usually it's a stretch goal, but it's one of the early stretch goals. Um, but also, if you have something that's like larger, um, I definitely also like the purchasable um, expansions as well. Like something that's like $10. Um, mainly because um, once somebody has bought the game, like uh, I did this with Studies and Sorcery, where I believe the game was 
the base game was $19. And then if you wanted the uh, $10 um, divination expansion, you could add that as well. Yep, you got me too. That did I did. I bought it for twenty nine because I was like, "It's only ten dollars more." So your psychology trick worked on me. Yes. <laughs> um. So, uh, in my youth, I worked at Starbucks, and I uh, they called me like the upselling beaver or something. I don't know what it was about. There was like a long thing and a a beaver, uh, picture. But anyway, I was a champion at upselling. Like I could up like uh, they did challenges and stuff. And I upsell people to get, like, instead of one small drink, like, multiple large drinks for themselves. <laughs> I'm convincing. But um, having these. Wow. Yeah, it's. it's Born for Kickstarter. I mean, right? Or conventions. It works great at <laughs> yeah. conventions, too. Yeah, it does do, um, yes. But, yeah, like, doing the, the thing where it's like, oh, it's only $10 more or $9 more. Like, they've already, like, won in. So offer them another product as well, um, which works great at. Like, as we said, conventions and stuff. Um, but then, like, for the free part, um, the the mini free expansion, I usually sell them at conventions for, like, $3 or something. And it's not much, but, like, it can add up, like, uh, maybe to, like, right, cover the right. cost of all the food or something. Or, like, mm-hmm. all the waters for all the people. Well, that's covered by the, the mini expansion sale, so great on us. Um and you could also do things like uh, I usually get as many mini expansions as the base game um, just because it's not like when you're printing, you're already printing. Um, one right, of the right. costs of manufacturing is turning the machines on. So um, yep, yep. if you do anything weird and like anything where you tell them to to change or do something different typically has a cost associated with it because a lot um mm-hmm. When you're getting only a thousand or two thousand games, the majority of the cost has nothing to do with the materials and all to do with the physical things that are happening. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like uh, it is so much cheaper just to get all the cards the same size if you are getting a thousand uh, copies of a game, just because like somebody has to physically take both those two different kinds of card sizes and put them in the box. Um, so, uh, just thinking about that, like, uh, so, so if it was to say, so if I was going to do like the 22 cards in the game and I thought we're going to, we're going to print five mini expansions, that's too many, but we're going to print four. We'll say, I don't know why four is better than five, but so we're going to print four. So that's an extra, uh, 20 cards. So I'm just going to print those and have them come separate loose basically. Right. Like they just box them up, not in a for sale box. And would bring them and then I could put them in little um, packs and sell them or something like that. Like that would be way cheaper than getting those done separately is what you're saying. Just yeah. because they'd be printing it at the same time, they'd be running all the cards. So, Well, and yeah. also it's like filling up the card sheet. Yep. Right. Right. So like if you have extra space in the card sheet, it's like very like minorly expensive, like only a couple more cents if you want to do something weird and different like that. So like, that's what I typically do. I don't pay like too much attention to the exact number of cards because I want, I'd rather spend some more money and make a great game than to be like, well, what two cards do we have to cut? Right. Um, Well, that's actually what happened with this. I was like, let's do 18 cards. Like let's do 18. And then we're like, Oh, I really think we need 20. And then 
we did some more testing. He said, oh, we have to change the way this draft works. Like, we're going to need 20. We, I think it was like, we're going to need 21 cards. And I was like, well, let's just do 22. And then we have an extra one just in case. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's helpful. That's helpful. Um, so, so when you think about like um, stretch goals and upgrades, like what are the things that really jump out as you, for you just thinking about like, rather than going through all the details of the game, like in all the pieces and stuff, like, when you think about like upgrades to do like, you know, to games, like what, what do you, what do you think of the ones that people get most excited about in a Kickstarter in your experience? So most exciting are things like, uh, um, not all component upgrades, but like cool component upgrades, um, like mm-hmm. custom meeples, like bits that are really cool to play with, um, are usually fantastic. Um, People went crazy over. Um, I added a dice tower as a stretch goal into Tumbletown, like mm-hmm. so that I guess that is like cool component wise or like just different component wise. Um, but other than that, right. it's mainly content. However, content is like not the greatest uh, stretch goal. Like if you haven't play tested it for months, don't have it as a right, stretch right. goal. Don't do right. it. Um, like right now, so I'm preparing for like the next like four weird draft games, Kickstarters, and we're already talking about what the free mini expansion thing could be so that we can start Mm -hmm. play testing it way ahead of time because I do not want to be still play testing actual like mechanics or anything like that. Right. Like even like a month before the Kickstarter, I want it to be like pretty solid. We lucked out on ours because we had actually designed the game with some of these moving parts in it, and it was just a little too much of a cognitive load for the first time you play the game. And we were like, wait a minute, like this is a perfect mini expansion because then we, then you already know how the game plays, and now we're going to change how movement works a little bit in these scenarios, but it will be obvious to you. Um, so that was really nice because it was, you know, it was a way to just that next step up of complexity and then adding some different cards to make it a little more, you know, add a little bit of replayability, um, you know, more than I think it already has. Cause I do think the game has a lot of replayability. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. Cause that's important to me um, as a, as a, not just as a designer, but as a game player and purchaser. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I do about the same thing where like, uh, we all have like so many ideas as game designers, but like an important part of it is making sure that the base game is like really easy and simple to learn and play so that like the first time somebody plays it, they enjoy it well enough and understand enough that they'll play it again. Like if yep. they do, yep. if, if they do not want to play it again because it's too complex or they didn't get it, well, you will probably not sell that many of that game. Um, but yeah, I always have like all these crazy ideas and if they are just, you know, on the next level of like, you have to be like, a gamer or you have to like really be into the theme or whatever the uh, thing is like i just cut them out and it's like well that that is an easy expansion or whatever that made itself (laughs) um because like i also try to make really accessible games um so if if i can see like players like where they can't like understand something and i keep trying to explain the theme it's like nope taking it out for the hardcore people that really like weird stuff Right, right. Yeah, and it can be such a simple thing. For our game, it was 
in the game, it's a platformer style game for part of the game. And then it's like a map game for the other part. And you like a normal old school platformer, you can only move right. Like you move right. You can never go in another direct. You can't ever go left. Right. Um, you can go up and down in certain places, but movement based thing we had was, oh, in these areas, you can also you can free movement. You can go wherever. And it was like, well, now we have to explain that. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wait, you know, that's something we could easily explain to people in an expansion. Um that's a little harder to explain, you know, otherwise. So, all right, cool. Um, so when you're, when you're like, okay, so what are a few things to you that stand out as the, as kind of the, the most important things that you try to focus on when you want, you know, obviously you want your Kickstarter to succeed, but like what for you has been kind of the best bang for your buck in, making Kickstarters successful? So in the past, I used to go to a lot of conventions. Um, and by a lot, I mean a lot. A all lot. of them. <laughs> well, you cannot, it's not physically possible to go all of them. I. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. There are overlapping ones. Um, but I would go to like a lot of conventions and just sit down and like go to the playtesting rooms and meet people and make friends and, you know, like uh, the people that you meet and that you really like take seriously, like those people can become your super fans, um, which is really cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I like to try and like do it, I guess, old school more, um, which has been kind of hard in the pandemic. But um, so now I am I have a, a discord community and I do regular things in the awesome. discord community. Like I have giveaways. We have accountability Wednesday, which happened um, earlier today. Um, where we just talk about like all the things we did and learned and stuff. We do live chats. I have a blog. Um, I have like all these reasons to go and be a part of this community on Discord. Um, and it's been really cool because like a lot of backers have been joining and they say like that they're super passionate about the game because like I talk about it like every day and they get to like right. be part of That's it. Cool. Like um, I know like I became friends with uh, this one guy from canada because like he joined the discord and he just kept reading the rule book over and over again so i got to like learn about his family <laughs> and stuff and like uh so now he is super passionate about all my games awesome. because i put his name in a rule book um right right like, because um, he was awesome yeah so yeah. that's great it's like uh spending the money to make like an extra page in the rule book like is definitely worth it you probably have extra space in the rule book for thank yous, but always do that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is the worst thing? I mean, maybe you can thank somebody that is later a serial killer, but like that hasn't happened to me yet. Um, I mean, people can be good and bad in different ways. Um, <laughs> right, right. But like just making friends and showing like, Oh yeah, look, this game wasn't the work of one person. There was actually 50 involved. Um, and from a right. different that standpoint, is, yeah. uh, from another standpoint, just like showing the fact that like, even though a game is a small 20 minute game is still required, you know, all these play testers and all mm -hmm. these proofreaders yep. and stuff, like people will be more willing to like pay money for the thing. If like a hundred people mm -hmm. are involved. Um, so yeah, definitely, um, things like community building and getting to know people, um, because like time is money. Um, but also, right, right. um, things like marketing, um, and pictures. So you should have a photographer because like 
you might be good at your iPhone. Uh, <laughs> I'm so good with my iPhone. So good. Whatever it is. But, um, like, uh, uh, I send all my games to Kevin Russ, um, who is also a game designer. He's really cool. Um, but he sets up all the games and takes them uh, and uses uh, Photoshop and stuff and gives me, like, all these good images that I can just, you know, send to reviewers, send to whoever. And uh, then everyone gets, like, a really good picture of the game. Like, you want your yep. people to be able to show off the game really well. And like, they might be good at their iPhones too, but you know, maybe they will take yeah. their pictures. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, that's no, that's, that is, that's good advice. The good thing about the community side is obviously with the podcast, we have a pretty good community here where we talk to people. I have a discord channel that we use just for the podcast and the listeners that we can all hang out in and we chat about games and such. Um, so yeah. And it, you know, they have made me much better off during the pandemic than I ever was before because of that community. So I get that. And there's like another weird thing that like a lot of people I don't think think about. Um, So you can pay money for people to do things for you, like um, be a photographer or be your editor or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually they're pretty thankful that like you gave them work and they'll help support you as well. They'll be like, Hey, I worked on this game and they have their own audiences. Yep. Yep. So like getting an, an editor for like $50. Well, do they have like more than two or three people in their audience that might buy your game? Like not right. Yeah. (laughs) Then their service was free. Yeah. yeah, Right. Essentially like it was free to you, but like they got the money. Like it's a whole idea that like uh, what um, the rising tide, like lifts all the ships or whatever. There's a saying. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, But think about that and like just making sure to treat all these people like they're actual people. Like, um, like right well like it's like a thing like where you laugh at it but it's like there's so many people that like reach out to me and it's like they treat me like so weird and it's like you don't you want to use me or whatever you don't want to be my friend um but like i don't go like the distance for the people that are that just treat me like a friend so like well the same thing with with kevin like we were friends first. And then I like, he was like, Oh, I right. do photography. And I was like, Oh, can you do my photography? I'll pay you. And right. Right. Like, like, yeah. And so like, it's just, uh, it's so much better because like the community, like I work a lot with a ton of my best friends, but mm-hmm. like if we weren't in the community, we wouldn't be friends. It's like, it's a very weird industry. Um, because once you start making yeah. friends, you'll be introduced to more people and you'll just make all yep. the friends. Um, like, uh, and it is I, a tsunami yeah, of friendship. <laughs> it is so good. But that's like why this pandemic is so hard on me right now. Like um, mm-hmm. um, when I say friends, like I really like truly mean that. Like I would go around and like go to all these conventions and stay at people's houses, like meet their families, play games with their kids. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was so cool. It was like such a fun life. But like, yeah, like if you're not willing to like hang out with somebody's wife and have an honest conversation, like then maybe like look at yourself and be like, why? Why don't you have time for this? There's uh, enough people in the community that you can choose to only hang out with the coolest of them and you'll still have to like figure out. You'll still have too many friends. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like it's yeah. it's crazy good. So like if anyone yep. is like even like so so, it's like nah. I'll go hang out with yeah. my best friends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um. So uh, next, couple more questions here. One is like, how ready to go do you try to have a game when it's like when I mean that I mean like ready to like send to the printer. Like when you finish a Kickstarter, like what I am not even looking for like a percentage or something. Like, I guess that's something that's always, I've never quite understood because some publishers I I've seen in Kickstarter is like, we're going to hit send like when this ends, like, and then others where it's like a couple months before they're able to send it. Cause they're still finalizing stuff. So, or sometimes it's like a year, <laughs> you know, so anyway. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Um, so I always try to be like 100% gameplay wise. Um, some of it depends on stretch goals. Like, I mean, stretch goals cause like more things to be made or like different graphics and stuff like that. Um, but also like things that happen during the Kickstarter or during the review process. Like um, I always try to send the reviewers something that I think is really solid and great and wonderful. Um, and sometimes it is and it's fine and some other times like uh like i get a lot of blind play testing done like a lot but then i get a, like five reviewers all asking the same question so You're like oh crap <laughs> i did something wrong um there's like just so much infinite blind play testing over and over again. right right um so like things happen um I really try to be like as done as possible and it's been the goal to actually be like print ready at the beginning of the Kickstarter. Um, but yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Like with studies and sorcery, we're like, we keep getting like so close where I, I keep thinking like, Oh yeah, this is the week it'll be done. And then we find like 10 more things and it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've heard that a lot from people. Uh, it's like trying to be perfect, but like, uh well you it's very easy to identify like the worst thing or the thing that needs to be fixed most but if you have like 20 issues and you're looking for the three worst things over and over again it's going to take a while to get through and find all those right. things um, absolutely yeah so yeah um but i also know of like some kickstarters that like they're still changing the gameplay like they're only like 80% done on the game, which seems crazy to me. Um, yeah, that, that would terrify me as a, as a creator. Like what if it ends up being awful? Plus how are you getting reviews done if it's only 80% of the way there? Well, I think that's what a lot of the reviewers already know is that they're getting a game that might not be done. and might be very different from the game that the like uh, actual backers will get. Um, okay. Just because like so many people do that. Um, I try not to. There's always like some random change or like small rule or simplification or something usually. Um, but I don't plan for it. If that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, because I do a lot of like the rule book. Um, like uh, the Kickstarter backers themselves are kind of a resource in terms of a rule book. Um, because like I can get like all my friends and designers and stuff to read a rule book, but getting like a lot of Kickstarter backers to read a rule book, like they will find so many things like, uh, well, it helps that like uh, the Kickstarter backers, they're from like 
all different countries and all around the world. And so they will mm -hmm. interpret things differently. Like you should always get somebody like from the East coast to read a rule book and the West coast, because like, apparently they read different, like, um, right. right. One side of the coast is thematic and one is very Euro. So just getting them to read is that's interesting. Good. Um, but yeah. So the last thing I'm curious about, I mean, I'm curious about a million other things, but the last thing I'll ask about tonight, because we're running short on time and I want to hear about your game too. So um, is for sales, like for like, so one of the things I'm struggling with is like, you know, there's, so there's direct sales of like selling through your website or whatever, uh, or selling it like a convention, which someday, someday that'll be back, hopefully late 2021. Hopefully, I mean, by the time it's my problem, Hopefully they're, we're getting, you know, back. Um, so those things versus traditional distribution, um, like what are your thoughts on, on that? Like on the, the positives and negatives of, of, of whatever. So my initial thought is why not both? I do. Right. 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 That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yes. Um, but yeah. Um, so Direct sales are great in that you get a high percentage of the cost of the game. Um, so there's like actually different layers to it. So you can sell direct to a customer, like through your website or through Amazon or something like that. Um, you could also sell direct to retailers um, and they normally buy at about 50% MSRP. You could sell yep, directly yep. to a distribution, which um, buys games at like 40 or something, um, MSRP. Um, or you could also sell to consolidators that buy at like 33% MSRP, but they talk to all the distributors who talk with all the retailers, um, who talk with everyone that goes to board games. Um, we have a really weird industry uh, in a variety. We do, yeah. Um, so going through there, um, the closer you get to the customer, the more money you get, but the more effort it takes. Like talking right, right. to a retailer, usually retailers only have one store. So right. they might sell like, I don't know, eight or 10 games every, I don't know, six months or something. But if you talk with a distributor, they talk with a lot of retailers and there's, I don't know, seven to 10 distributors in the U.S. Um, or mm -hmm. you can talk directly with a consolidator Um which uh, I really like my consolidator who's impressions um, because they talk with all the distribution. They handle all of it. Um, I don't like to ship things. So I ship out one or two um, pallets out to impressions and then they ship to all the distribution whenever they buy and the distribution handles the sales to retailers. And I don't have to do things. It just, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on the amount of time that you have. Like, can you approach every one of your consumers? Because like, if you can, then you'll get a lot of that money. Um, but the amount of sales I get from selling to consolidators, um, it also allows me to get larger print runs because if I can sell like an extra thousand in distribution, that will lower the cost per copy, um, which will make right, it right. so that, um, the money I make from direct sales is higher. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And there's like different things with that. Like uh, 
Um, going to conventions, I've heard like uh, most uh, publishers, like they don't make money at conventions. The point of conventions is like going out, meeting people, like making super fans and like just showing people that you exist. Um, mm-hmm. It's that whole yep. thing about like, uh, like you have to see something like seven times before you buy it. Um, but like if somebody sees my booth like three years in a row, I have then become a real publisher and they might buy my game when they see it on Amazon. Right. And that, you know, that makes sense because so many times you go to like a Gen Con and you see a publisher and then like you never see that publisher ever again. Right. Because, yeah, because because they were there and then they were gone and you're like, well, they were just like a one and done thing. So, yeah, I get what you mean by the third time you're like, okay, yeah, I know this is a real quote real publisher. Right. Yeah, there's like all the gates and stuff. Well, like just the gate of the human mind. Like, uh, if you've only seen a publisher once, can you remember their name? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, sad. Weird giraffe helps with that, I think. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of things that go into like making us memorable, like uh, flooring. That's actually how I got my booth into Gen Con because I have giraffes on the floor, and that is more memorable than not giraffes on the floor. <laughs> I don't think anyone would disagree with that logic ever. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that seems pretty solid. Yep. So I also do things like, uh, normally my booth is like a giant rainbow of color, um, Mm -hmm. attracts people to it because like people are actually kind of like butterflies or birds. Yeah. I don't know. They're attracted to colors. Yeah, I am. Yeah. You, you have a, you have a booth, you know, in like neon or pastel or something like that. I'm there. Like what's going on at this booth? So for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I I probably have 10 million other questions, but this was super duper helpful. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk me through a lot of this stuff. Um, I may now that I know, you know, so much for sure, probably will just harass you offline sometimes as well. (laughs) So, um, but I really, really appreciate this conversation and, um, yeah, I want to hear about your newest game coming to Kickstarter. Uh, is it the gift of tulips or gift of tulips? Uh, just gift of tulips. Um, gift of tulips. Yeah. So this game, um, it's set in Amsterdam and you're going to a tulip festival with your friends. Um, in the game, it's a very simple and quick, uh, 15 to 20 minute game. Um, where you are making a bouquet of flowers for you and also giving tulips to your friends. Um, one of the big parts about the game is that it's based in uh, Amsterdam, which is in the, in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so um, I'm also Dutch. And one of the like really cool parts about it is like, uh, so I, I went to Amsterdam and um, it was like the first place I ever felt like I was home, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah. Like, one thing is, like, the Dutch culture is so, like, welcoming and friendly. Like, uh, they normally learn uh, between four and five languages just so that they can talk to you Mm -hmm. in the language that you, like, your native language. Like, that is the whole pure reason of it. And all the people do this. Like, they know um, normally Dutch, French, English, um, German, and then either Italian or Spanish. Um, they get to choose mm-hmm. or whatever on that, the last one. Uh, I think there's more choices as well. Living in Michigan, I we live in West Michigan, and it's a huge Dutch community. I'm very Dutch. My wife is very Dutch. Our kids, therefore, very Dutch. 
Um, and yes, I some of my Dutch friends who are actually like Dutch Dutch, like legit, like we came from the Netherlands. They do. They speak at least two or three languages um, and they speak them very, very well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like very well. So, yeah. Plus, we have Holland here, which is Tulip City, USA, um, where they have the Tulip Festival every year. So, yes. Sorry. Sorry. That popped into my head there. No, it's great. So, like, you understand this game, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, so, Tulip time, baby. Yeah. That's our thing here. We get it. <laughs> I've learned from this um well the whole process of this is that like not only do I love tulips um but so do like a lot of other people whether you're Dutch or you just have a tulip festival in your area um mm-hmm. but this game it's different because you can get the most points if you give away all your tulips oh that's cool very cool yeah um so yeah so you have to um basically uh it's a draw one, play one, draw one, um, play something else. Like you can't do the same action twice in a row. So you have to like really consider like what tulips you're giving to other people because maybe they would like some other tulip better. Um, and there's also a market because it is a tulip game where you can uh, figure out which tulips are going to be worth the most at the end of the game. And you will um, gain points along the way as you keep the tulips that aren't worth that much. Um, if you, and give away the tulips that are. Um, and then uh, there's majorities at the end of the game for the best tulips based on what you have in your bouquets. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I love the idea that you can actually win by giving people good tulips that they want. That's that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's uh, So that you're looking, you said Kickstarter sometime <laughs> earlier next year? Yeah. Hopefully in February. I'm really cool. excited about that. I'm going to get prototypes. Uh, well, the schedule said I was supposed to order prototypes today, but they'll probably get ordered tomorrow because sometimes art Fair takes longer than you think it will. No, I think that's a fact. Art will always take longer than you think it will. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, every time I've ordered art, even from like people who are super prompt and stuff, it still usually takes longer than you think it will because... I think because we're just bad at estimating time in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, especially now, like, because people, yeah. well, I know that I have not been able to properly evaluate how long it takes me in my new pandemic brain state to do anything. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I was ringing with an artist and I was like, I was like, Hey, do you have time to work on this? They were like, yeah, I've got tons of time, tons of time. And I was like, great. I will get back to you ASAP on that. And then I get back to them like, okay, so I'm ready to do this. And they're like, I don't have time right now. I'm like, you, you just said you had time. And they're like, Jason, that was two months ago. And I'm like, it was? <laughs> really? Like, are you sure? So, yeah, 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 I get you. Yeah. Um, who, does, who designed the game? Um, it's designed by Sarah Perry, um, who lives in Birmingham, which is actually like two hours away from me. So, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Um, always try to um, promote your own like communities because who knows what kind of designs will come out of them yes for sure for sure yeah we have a i in kalamazoo i'm not really part of anything but we have a really good design community out of grand rapids just about 45 minutes north which might as well be narnia right now um because you know we can't go but uh but they've they've actually developed a very strong online and discord community so that i've actually been able to get a little more into it than i have ever before simply because it's accessible now to me being right here. So awesome. Well, gift of tulips. That sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to check that out. 
and uh, when it hits Kickstarter. And uh, make sure to ping me when it does, because I'll uh, I'll make sure to mention it on the show so that people can check it out. Thank you again for for the discussion on publishing and all this stuff. Uh, I uh, after these conversations, I always feel more informed, yet a little more scared than I did previously. Um, but I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna put a game out, um, hopefully too, just because. Yeah, because it's something I really want to do, and uh, yeah, I something I want to do, and I think I think it's a cool experience, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> so yeah, publishing. It's really fun if you can do it. Like uh, one of the things is, that I keep thinking is that I'll I'll eventually have like a week where I don't learn something new, and I haven't <laughs> yet. Um, just everything is always changing. But I mean, I am always learning, so I guess that means I'll never get dementia because like that's what happens when you stop learning. Yes, right? that's so. yeah, and I. I love learning new things. So that is one thing that has been exciting to me about this. It's just sometimes you learn new things. It's like, oh, well, that's a hoop I was not thinking about. Didn't even know the hoop existed. And now I have to jump through it and it's on fire. All right, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, whatever. (laughs) At least you're planning to do your Kickstarter like when the pandemic's like ending and you didn't have to deal with the fire that was like, uh, well, right. um, Yeah. Yeah. Big Easy Busking was in. It just escaped China before the pandemic was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was actually um, the sleeves. uh, There was a mistake with the sleeves. So they got stuck there. And then it was like, well, they're not going back to the factories. And I was like, but the sleeves, no one will have them for months. Right, right. Uh, It's fine. Everything is fine. It turned out okay. And we'll all get through this together. That's right. That is right. So awesome. Well, hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you learned a few things as well. Uh, I know we have some people that like to learn more about publishing things. So yes. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at buildingamepodcast.com. Check out our Discord community there. Uh, you can also find us uh, by emailing us, buildingamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770-TELL-BTG. Find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Carla, your Twitters are? Uh, my Twitter is Weird Giraffes, and the other one is probably Galactic Raptor 2. But just go to Weird okay. Giraffes, as in plural. Yes, um, that's the one I follow, so yes. Yeah. Uh, we have another one, but it's not important right now. Um, and then I also have a Discord community at WeirdDraftGames.com slash Discord. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. So I love seeing all these communities people are building on discord and discord for what it does is really solid. Like being able to have all these communities just in a bunch of little tabs and I can just go to whatever one I want to at any given time. It's, it's the most convenient um, system I've seen for this kind of stuff. So I've been really enjoying it. Oh, for sure. And it's way faster than Slack and they have all yeah, the cool yeah. bots. So, like, if you need yes. a reason to come to my Discord, I have some cool bots. You can go fishing nice. and get fish. You can chop wood. It's important. It's gotten me through this pandemic. Nice. Um, my little community where we talk about our chopping of the wood every day. It's <laughs> We're all, like, a little crazy, but as long as you acknowledge that, we'll, we'll be okay in the end. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night, everyone, and have a great uh, rest of the year. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game.
Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.